podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Live of Birds pod, brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com, the perfect VPN companion for all your football viewing, where you can get 25% off everything using the coupon AIVPN. Get your 48-hour free trial of Liberty Shield today and start encrypting your internet connection today. It will stop your ISP logging traffic and bypass blocks on any geo-restricted content. So now we've got the formal stuff out of the way. I'm delighted to be back and to have my two regular contributors, Molly and Randy, with me for this latest version of the Life for Birds. We have an awful lot to get through. Uh, I hope everybody had a great festive season and new year. It feels like we've been away for quite a long time, um, but we're back and we're on it. So let's get straight in January. We played a lot of games and we won a lot of games. In fact, we finished the month unbeaten again. Uh, Randy, let me start with you. Welcome to the latest edition. Uh, what would you like to remember as your best parts of our unbeaten run in January? Well, thanks for that. That's a really good start, isn't it? I mean, I've written down all the results of all the matches, and I, it's a lot of smiley faces and hearts next to everything. So yes. It's, really <laughs> it's actually difficult to choose, I must say, but I think the match against Everton, obviously, because of Hopkins and Jones' goal, uh, it, it was very impressive and very, very... I was very happy with that win because I was so afraid of, are we going to lose this record at home? Are we going to finally... Yeah. Are, you know, are, are they finally going to get one of us? And it was such a pleasing result. Uh, and of course, United. That was also one of my favourites uh, with the goals <laughs> from um, Virgil and Salah. I was really happy about that one. And it must be said that I was a bit afraid of Bobby not scoring enough goals as well. So when he scored against Wolves and against Tottenham mm. and had three assists, a hat-trick of assists against Southampton, that was so, so pleasing. So overall, I was a very, very happy woman. It's <laughs> a great way to start the new year. You really couldn't have started it any better. Um Molly, so we when we talked in December, uh, when we did our last pod, uh, we we all talked about the fact that January could be a really tricky month. We had a lot of games. Um, we had a lot of tricky games. We obviously had, uh, you know, the the big game against United. Uh, you know, the FA Cup, as Randy has mentioned, but also. To my mind, one of the most difficult ones on that whole calendar was was the Wolves game right towards the end of the month. 
So where where were you most confident and most worried about the run we had in January? Um, I think Wolves was obviously our trickiest game. I thought I was a little bit nervous. Not probably the two biggest games for me because I am really, really focused on the league more than anything else. So although I appreciate that win against Everton, I just it doesn't quite. It it wasn't quite up there for me with what I desperately wanted us to win. Um, I thought Spurs was going to be the trickiest game, um, and I think that it it was. And I I was a little bit concerned about United as well, even though they've had a bad run of form. I think when they play us, it's like it's another level, isn't it? They're probably always going to step yeah. up, but obviously we, you know, are. Alison registering an assist in the 93rd minute just to really <laughs> rub salt into the wound. I think was my favourite January moment. Um, yeah. But overall, it, 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 we, we right, did have to right there for me too. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> and I didn't see it coming either. <laughs> not straight from uh, not straight from the keeper anyway. Um but I think there are a number of solid performances from the team as a whole. Um, and obviously, four clean sheets in the league. Um, yep. Five overall, I think. Um, I think is is a pretty impressive statistic considering we were a little bit edgy coming into January. Uh, well, yeah, we, we'd had a few games where you would argue we'd really not played that well, to be honest. But we we found we found a way to win. Um, you know, you said you were you were slightly worried about the Spurs game. Was was that sort of tied to Mourinho and kind of parking the bus, or or was there something else that you thought was potentially um, going to be really tricky about that game? Well, to be honest, I wasn't entirely sure. Like, because obviously, like from what we know about Mourinho. Uh, he does like to park a bus, mm-hmm. but I think that we had, like, with the players that we've got, like, can you really do that? Um, but you know, you know, do that successfully, and I, I obviously don't think they did. I just think out mm. of when you look on paper, the teams that we were playing that should have been our most difficult game. I would argue they are probably the best team we faced in January. Um in terms of player manager um you know and their position in the league and so it, that was always gonna be the most challenging game and then it is getting to the point where you, you know they are although it is only January, it's getting to the point where they're thinking about top four finish and kind of every point is gonna matter and so I just thought they kind of had a they had a lot to go for as well, even though mm. you could not well they, they, they they're not competing for the top spot. Um but they've still got quite a lot to compete for. Um and so I think that plays into it as well. Yeah, I I think um when I when I sort of look at the the list of games that we had in January, I know it kind of it feels like it's fading into the distance now. Um but Randy, the, we started off the new year with the home game against Sheffield United, 
who'd actually probably given us one of our hardest games at Bramall Lane earlier in the season. And we, we, were, we were slightly fortunate in terms of the goalkeeper mistake we got in that game to, to give us the win. Um, and I have to say, I, you know, I was sort of slightly concerned about starting the new year that way, but was really pleased that the game had been moved. So it was because it was originally scheduled for New Year's Day. Um, and the fact that it was moved to the Thursday, I think, really helped us in these in these circumstances. But, you know, when you look at that and you, you look at starting with that and then bookending it with the um, with the Southampton game. Well, Southampton is probably the first of February. So let's yeah. say the West Ham game, um, which was the last one in January, which obviously was the rearranged fixture from when we were in Qatar. Um, those were both potentially banana skins um, on the basis that, you know, West Ham had new manager. Um, you were starting to see a little bit of uptick in form from them. You know, their their fan base is a little bit uh, upset at the moment with the ownership. So you never quite know how that is is going to go. Um, you obviously, we, we talked about the games that you, you loved the most. Which, which one's... Um, I've picked out those two kind of starting to finish in the month. Were were there any others, or would you agree that those were those were the other potential banana skins in there? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that Wolf was the one I was dreading most. Yeah. Because they're very hard to play, and we've always had a bit of a struggle, even though we, we have managed it. I, I think they look very... Very hard to play, and I was very, very pleased about that result. Uh, and also because Bobby scored and Pender scored, so it was like not the typical uh, Salah. Or, uh, yeah, I, I was really, really pleased about that. And but they got a goal on us. It was not a clean sheet, so that was uh, maybe yeah. Yeah, other than the FA Cup, that was the only game we conceded yeah. a goal in in, Jan- in January. Um, so, so it was, you know, we keep we keep looking at. Well, I I say we, but I suspect you you do something similar to me. So I keep looking at the table, going, this is just weird. This is yeah. just weird. We've played twenty five games. And we've won twenty four, and we've drawn one, and um, I, I just I do find it quite hard to to sort of uh, process. Um, and I was, you know, it was it was great when you was kind of oh, you know, ten unbeaten, twelve unbeaten, fifteen unbeaten. You know, we're now in, we're now in you know twenty. You know, we've played two thirds, literally two almost two thirds of the season. Um, and it's starting to get scary about what we could actually achieve this season. Yeah. Um, it's 42 unbeaten now. So we're looking at Arsenal's uh, record of 49, although they had like 11 or 12 draws. They had 12 draws in their um, invincible season. Yeah. It's ridiculous what we're doing. Next <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so let me... Um, so let me sort of t- test that because, like I said, with with the exception of the um, FA Cup and the and the Wolves game, we didn't 
we didn't concede um, any goals in January. One of the other weird things that's, that sort of appeared on social media is that Alisson is now jointly leading the Golden Gloves competition in terms of clean sheets, having missed the first two months of the season. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of wonder what that what that says about the the other sort of it oh, does it say something about the other goalkeepers in the league or or is it just how long it took us to really get settled on a on a defensive partnership um, and just you know trying to accommodate the the players we kept losing to injury so you know Matip and Lovren and and all the rest of it. But I do think I do think that's weird for him to kind of miss, you know, ten games of the season and still be jointly leading the Golden Gloves competition. Um, yes, yeah, sorry, that wasn't a question. It was more it was more of a sort of comment for me. Um, so my my question is, we are obviously still in the FA Cup. So putting aside the, the, the kind of first leg against Shrewsbury, which I think just showed how rusty some of our first team players were come, coming back from um, coming back from injury. We now are through and we go to Chelsea in the, in the next round. Um, do you think we, I'm not saying can we, do you think we will win the FA Cup. Molly, let me put that to you. Um, <laughs> I think it's really dependent. Um, it's where Klopp felt that against Shrewsbury, we could play the team that we played. Um, and, you know, because realistically, you know, could those, could they beat um, a Chelsea side? And it's away at Chelsea, isn't it, as well? So now, so again, it's dependent on quite a lot of factors. And obviously the factor that there was such a congestion of games across December and January, I think, was the main reason why Klopp was kind of fielding the kids. Um. Now, obviously, that's going to lighten up a little bit. And obviously, I suppose the the idea that they were being mm. promised this break. So I think my point really is, yeah, we could go on a minute. Absolutely. Because as we've seen, there is not a team that we can't beat. I would say that he would he would need to play a more experienced team than played against Shrewsbury in the second leg. However, I don't think that he... He would need the full team. I think no. that I think my opinion is that from this point, it's going to give some of those young players another chance to shine, which I think's been wonderful to watch mm. and experience. Um, uh, and I think that, but I don't know that he would send them out against Chelsea by themselves. Um. If you know what I'm trying to trying to get across, yeah, no, no, um, I do. I do know what, I don't absolutely. know what you're saying. Like, there's not a team that we can't beat, and I don't see uh, that can't be a combination of kind of first team and and the younger players to to get that far either. 
uh, I think um, it, it, it's been one of the one of the joys of of this season actually is is being given um, more exposure to our under twenty threes um, and and in some cases our under twenty ones. Um, if you think about the the Villa game, uh, because you know they've they've not done themselves any harm whatsoever, and in some respects, you know, I think about the first leg against Shrewsbury. Some of the, you know, some of the young kids put in a better showing than you know some of the first team players who who sort of came back from you know were coming back from injury and what have you. Now, you know, having said that, you know, they got a penalty that wasn't a penalty and it was outside the penalty area. Um, you know, there, there were there were a couple of other things, but we found a way to hang on in there. And yes, it was an own goal in the second leg, but we outplayed them. We we out, you know, our our kids basically outplayed, you know, a professional league one outfit. And that was really pleasing. And I do, I do think there's, there's three or four of them that have got a real chance of becoming regulars in the first team. I think Curtis Jones is definitely one. I think Nico Williams is another. I think Harvey Elliott is a third. And I think the, the one that I would, I'd like to get a chance, but I'm not sure that he will is probably Shiravella. But certainly in the midfield, he was, you know, he was a little general in terms of dictating the pace and um, and playing that. And we we do have some really talented um, young players at the academy, and it 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 would be really interesting to see what happens when they're all together next season. So you know, when they're all in Kirby and um, and that they're all in the new facility and everything, about how much more um because it, it looks like there's a there's an awful lot of um good you know sort of good relationships between the first team um and the you know the under 23s the under 21s but the fact that they'll all be in exactly the same facilities can only augur well um in my view um the other thing that that also struck me in terms of the fa cup and um be interesting to get you know both of your views on this. So there's been an awful lot of column inches given up to, you know, Klopp and disrespecting the you know the cup and uh, playing his kids and you know and, and they even you know they even made the distinction. Well, we understand him giving the first team the time off, but why isn't he on the sideline? He should be there because he's the manager of the club. Um, and it's, you know, and it's not doing, it's not doing the right thing. Um, so he obviously wasn't there. When you look at the attendances across the, the replays in that, Liverpool was basically a sellout at Anfield. So yes, they reduced ticket prices, but you had 53,000 people turn up to, in effect, watch the under 23s play through. Um, so, I was just interested in your in your views about the whole the whole thing about where where you stood on you know Klopp about whether you thought he should be on the sideline uh, because it's the it's the players who are playing so does he really need to be away himself? Um, Randy, let me start with you on that. 
Yeah, I I absolutely think the club did the right thing. And I think it's quite ridiculous all that energy used on. Is he doing the right thing? Is he not? You know, he should be. He's this, this vertical. If you listen to what Klopp said and what, um, what's the name of the U23 uh, manager again? Kitchley? Kitchley something? Neil Critchley. Yeah, exactly. And I think after listening to them and after, of course, when the, the match went as they went, I thought that was such a good thing to do because it was actually demonstrating a break is a break. Uh, we've got all these people to look after and the best way of looking after the youth 23 so I've actually gone to play is having their manager there. And uh, they also have the uh, new Portuguese guy that is um, have a uh, connection between uh, the two teams. And uh, you could see how much it meant to them and uh, I think it was Jones talking about it afterwards as well, saying that the fact that we actually have this whole team around us that knows us best. For all of us, this is like a piece. This is like proving ourselves, coming out of the shell, showing the world. And also when you look at how they play, they play exactly as the first team. So mm. he, could, he could have been on the sideline, but it would anyway been Pucci's project, you know. So I think he actually gave way to the team to really shine on his own, and that was just a good thing. So giving the first team a break, uh, respecting that deal, which actually includes the first team management as well, and then giving the other ones the opportunity and really respecting, trusting them in the way that he did, because it was not like he was not in contact with them. James Milner was there. He was yeah. representing the, the first team and the club had messages before, during and after the game. Everyone was giving it their all attention, no matter where they were in the world. You can see Adrian sitting there on the, on the screen. What, the watching league. the legal exactly. stream, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a good thing. So, to me, this is like uh, respecting everyone in a very good way. And everyone looks stupid afterwards being the critics, you know. So to me, uh, really, really proud of the club. Okay. So so Molly, same question to you, but I'll just I'll just add a couple of other things in. So we all know that Klopp said, you know, we've been asked to respect the winter break and, and not, you know, schedule friendlies and this, that and the other. But the you know, the FA had said that if they were replaced, they would be within that you know, that first week of the of the winter break. So, you know, were there were there any alternatives in terms of what the FA did or, you know, on the basis that we couldn't get past Shrewsbury the first time round, should we have just, you know, sucked it up and gone, well, you know, we've we've got to, you know, we've got to do we've got to, you know, put the first team back out because actually they didn't, you know, they didn't do it right the first time round. Um, no, is my answer. And I think the reason why, and I think this is why Klopp wasn't there, because actually I think Klopp has seen himself in, like he's in a really privileged position and he's actually used that privileged position to make a point. And I mm. really think that this is what it was. He was making a point. And actually, there are fucking politicians that could 
like take a leaf out of his book because Klopp is an extremely, extremely hard-working, incredible manager. Like, if he was needed, he'd have been mm-hmm. there. But actually, he saw his position um, as five-time manager of the month or whatever, like, to actually say no. And, you know, and I think you can't, and for all the FA have said, the replays were taken in, you know, taking mm. place in that week. You know, the, the point of having that break is because there's this massive congestion congestion is that of fixtures across yes. kind of December and January I call it something um and you know I read a statistic where something like 60% of the league's injuries have been in December from across the league like it's, yeah it's not a good thing and this is this is part of what Klopp has always always said you can't give us this break in one league in the English Premier League and have the English FA Cup dictate that it's not a break, whatever happens. And he has to play some of the kids in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury and against Everton because mm. there are too many fixtures in this time. And so actually, I I don't think Klopp is being disrespectful. I think he's making a point. And I think that I absolutely like support that and I support him using his position in that way because I do think that that's what it is um, though saying that it was great obviously yeah. to see to see James Milner in the stands and all this about disrespecting the, the FA Cup I don't think yeah. it was because we actually once got through um, and then I, I had this conversation with a couple of people only a couple of days ago actually where like it didn't matter what Liverpool did yeah, we were always going to get it wrong. So we don't yeah. give Salah the break that he's been promised. Oh, mm. that's why he didn't score the next game. You promised him a break. You didn't give it. You could have played the kids. And then it's, well, okay, so we are playing the kids. So we're knocking down the prices. If they hadn't have knocked down the prices, that would have been a criticism. But we did knock down the prices. And then we're denying we free money that they never yeah. had in the first place. Because I'm sorry. They didn't lose out on five hundred thousand pounds. They gained one hundred thousand pounds. Like, yeah, they never had that money. We didn't steal it from them. We just like. So I just think there was this whole narrative where, and I said like, we couldn't have done it right. Like, we would never have got it right. But the point is, we saw a great performance from our kids. You know, my cousin, like her five-year-old little yeah. boy, went to his first game. Because he, it was a pound and the tickets yeah. were easy to get hold of. So him and his dad went and it was his first game. One of the cutest pictures I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> he's like, but like he would never, he wouldn't have had that experience. Yeah. So you'd given that experience to all of these local children who, you know, who wouldn't have gone before. And like you say, the attendance was huge. Um, I mean, I was lucky I've got to be in. So. I they have all of the games, um, but then they turned around and didn't even put us on the telly. But we got through. It was like I don't know. Yeah. I just felt I, I think Klopp's used his position in a way that I actually support, and I think <laughs> we were never going to get it right, were we? <laughs> we were never going to well, we come out looking good in the media. Given, and 
yeah. yeah. We were never going to be given any credit, regardless, right? Yeah. Because it will be, well, you know, you should you should have enough to get through in the first round, uh, the first leg. Um, and then but again, it, it's that it's all of those fixtures have meant that the FA Cup has had to come second anyway. Whereas if these things are better planned out, then you don't like Klopp doesn't have to make that choice anyway. No, I think sense? of course it makes sense. Uh, the, the other bit that I'm I'm curious because there's obviously these conversations around um, expanding the Champions League again. Um, putting in an extra four games or, or another mini group stage or something. I don't understand where they're supposed to go. Where we, where we already have a calendar which is chock a block with games. If they, if that's passed and you have to, assuming that you're in the competition, you have to play, you know, another, potentially another four games. What something somewhere has to give. Because you just can't keep putting more in a in a finite amount of weeks. Something so whether that's the you know whether that's the league cup. Um, so whether you know as Klopp has been going on since he arrived here about why do you have two late semi finals in the league cup? Yeah, that's one of the things that you know gets jettisoned or what have you. But you know there is a there is a fundamental rethink, and the, you know to your point about how politicians could take a leaf out of his book. I I find it incredible how he has been able to manage and sort of, you know, deal with the, the issues. Bearing in mind this is in his second language. You know, he's not a na- he's not a native English speaker and yet has the nuances and the subtlety and the ability to not get caught in, you know, journalistic, you know, traps and various other things and to make sure his you know he gets the point across that he wants i i have huge amounts of admiration for him in terms of his ability to kind of navigate those shark infested waters um i do i do worry that that people are starting to make him like the poster child for everything like you know the the you know jürgen klopp no, you know he knows, and the fact is he's got pretty sensible opinions. So he might be right ninety percent of the time, but I don't, you know, I, I only want Liverpool people putting him on a pedestal. I don't need anybody else putting him on a pedestal because that they'll they'll soon want to knock him off the pedestal and beat him with the stick anyway. So I just, I just, the problem is he's just genuinely such a like. Man, <laughs> I think that's you, you know, it, we, and that's we, what like that's what like because obviously like I speak to a lot of different fans and even like Jack, as you know, supports Everton. Exactly, like, he fumes and he's like he doesn't want to like him though, but mm. it's like I can't help it. Like, like he just seems like a really genuine guy, and I think as long as like that, I think as long as we get that, like he's still always comes across as genuine. I don't think that people ha- would ever have an issue. I know you're talking about kind of knocking him off his pedestal. But yeah. I don't think you can if someone's being genuine. It's when people start to kind of get too big for their boots or start kind of just 
telling lies, which happens yeah. quite a lot, or, or not seeing that, like, you, you know, I sometimes watch interviews with managers and I think you have not watched the same, like, you are talking garbage. And exactly. or, he or, never or seems to do that. As long as yeah. he's being honest, I don't think people are going to be able to knock him off his pedestal. No, I think he, I think he gives, he, he always goes out of his way to give teams, the uh, opposing teams and managers credit. Um, and will, you know, highlight other players if he thinks they, they've played well, um, and stuff like that. And, and so it's, it is quite, it's quite hard to sort of take, you know, take umbrage at that. I, you know, I, we, we are, you know, lauding Klopp here, but, you know, one, a very simple, uh, contrast to that, I think, is uh, your mate Randy OGS. Um, oh, yes. I, I I I think some of his post game interviews are deluded. I have yeah. I have no idea, and he keeps. And the other thing is, he keeps mentioning Klopp, yeah, right? When he starts talking fire. about stuff, um, yeah. about you know time and this and that and the other, and they're they're talk, You know, the, you're coming at it from two completely different points of view you know he I, I do i do find some of some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is absolute drivel um is he still is he still being you know uh, they're still building statues to him in norway no no no, no he's, he's off um his pedestal here now people are really about, yeah yeah people are going oh uh so they, they, now they obviously now they're right about um Paula in Borussia because he's the new star and they're writing about Burge in uh, Sheffield United I'm not sure what you mean yes. right now so, so they're more much more into the players now because everyone to see this could this should have been over a long time ago he's still sort of going nothing happens and it, what he does compared to Klopp I find is that he tries to defend himself and try to yeah. take care of the team but in that order Klopp always Thinks about the team first and the players, and then hardly ever needs to defend himself because, as you said, Molly, he's he's being genuine, he's being open, he, uh, he's the first to to say if he's been doing anything wrong. So, and and Oligina Sulchan is in the different um, scale of that. You know, he's trying to defend mm. himself all the time, and he makes people so happy. You know that people are want to make fun. It's so easy because he says things that is absolutely horrendous, and apparently he he loves Klopp. That he Klopp is his um, uh, idol. So they met one really, day. yeah, yeah, and they met in a training uh, when he was doing uh, Molde in Norway. He was doing okay. The, they met in um, a training camp. Warm weather training camp, and I think that was yeah. first or second uh, year. And he was, uh, I mean, licking art, really. And he he wanted him to learn him, you know, tell him anything, everything, so he can become the next him. But of course, he can't. He's just absolutely not able. So enough said about all of you know, Yeah. <laughs> He's just. I think what he does now is like he does what he thinks the politicians and the others should have done, and nobody else dare to or or make um, energy for because they've got so much else to think about. But look, like 
goes above and, and puts on his um, thinking hat and, and becomes more visionary on behalf of the whole game. So he actually does that job on behalf of everyone in, yeah. in the Premier League. And, and uh, you know, he's just trying to do what he thinks should have been done by somebody that somebody, someone else hasn't got the answer yeah. I mean, I do think sometimes it is, it is sort of saying, you know, to the, to the, uh, to the people in charge of the game, you, these are the problems you should be sorting out. I'm just telling, I'm just reminding you, this isn't going to go away. I'm going to make a decision for the, in the best, uh, in the best decision for the club that I manage. But this issue is still an issue and you need to sort it out. And, and that's the thing, you know, it's that kind of, led by donkeys at the moment sort of mentality i think you know we 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 you know pig you know giants giants being led by pygmies um anyway moving on um so there's been uh you know people are starting to talk about player of the year now pfa player of the year um and there seems to be somewhat of a groundswell um, around Jordan Henderson, and either that he should be leading the polls, or he should be part of the conversation, or again, polarized opinion, or he shouldn't. He should. I don't understand why he'd even be in the conversation in the first place. So, um, Randy, where do you stand on um, Henderson in terms of uh, PFA Player of the Year as a nominee, anyway? I'm a bit divided, I feel, because, of course, I want him to have all the um, praise you can have, you can give him because I think he deserves it. But I, I'm not sure whether he's our best player uh, and whether it's another player in another team that will win it. But mostly the team that's been most successful has a player in their team that wins it and they've been very successful lately. So I actually think we should have it. But I'm, I think when it comes to Hendo, he's like, he's maybe one of our most informed players next to Salah and uh, Alison. Uh, Mane mm. was, but he's out now, so we tend to get very quickly in football. But before Mane was injured, I thought he was our best player. Uh, Virgil had his year last year, he's probably not going to get it. So is it Alison? Is it Hendo? But, I don't think I've seen Hendo looking this good on field since 2015. So obviously he's one of our most yeah. improved and maybe because mm. we haven't seen him this good, so maybe he's one of our most improved and most changed players lately. But that has to do with the rest of the team. And I wouldn't, I mean, I would applaud him if he gets it, but I'm, I'm not sure if it's, he is our best player right now. What do you think? So I, I think that uh, I think he's quite an underrated player, and I think certainly in the early part of his career, he has suffered a lot because he's not Steven Gerrard, and therefore he was always being compared as the captain of Liverpool to Steven Gerrard. You know, he never could be Steven Gerrard; he could only ever be Jordan Henderson. But I, I do, you know, and we go back a few years, but I think back to that title run we had under Brendan Rodgers and when Henderson got sent off 
against Man City, was it? And he then missed the last three games of the season. And I remember saying at the time that he was going to be a big miss for us because that, uh, you know, whether you want to call it energy, whether you want to call it intensity, I don't know that the results that we got would have been the same results had he had he been available for those three games. Regardless, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I think he's probably getting more recognition now uh, and he's deserved recognition in terms of his performances and the, the tempo that he sets um, and the fact that he's not just, you know, he, he he also got a load of things like all he ever did was pass sideways or backwards or, or yeah. whatever it was. Um, but that, you know, you argue that he's, um, you know, he's playing in the way that the manager has set the team up to play. So I have no issue about him being in the conversation. Um, I, when you mentioned Virgil van Dijk, and obviously he won it last year, I I would argue that van Dijk has not had, a, you know, he he's probably he's so good that people now take it for granted. So I would argue he's he's been the best defender by a country mile. Right in the whole of the Premier League for the whole season, Do, would would they give it to him again? Probably not. But that doesn't mean I don't think he hasn't had a Player of the Season season. Um, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, you could argue, you could consider him or Salah for um, timing their additions to their family so well. That's got to be worth a vote or two, wouldn't you say, Molly? Did you pick this up on oh, social media? I did. I did. Um, a lot of crude jokes as well. Yes. I heard I a lot of did you see two the good performances were put Milner? in on that night. Yeah. I did. did I did. Yeah. That I was howling. I do, I do think he's won Twitter with that, yeah, to be yeah. fair. He is. He is. Yeah. Where do you where do you stand on on Jordan as player of the year? Then completely split because I it, I agree with Randy. I I think in terms of ability, I don't think he's our best player. Um, I know what you're saying about Virgil winning it last year. But, you know, he comes so close to, like, nearly winning the Ballon d'Or as well. Like, he's incredible. Yeah. Like, he's re- like people were literally banking on just waiting for somebody to be able to rub. And then that was, like, a big fail for him. When actually it was, like, it's been yeah. fucking months since anyone's done that. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. it was crazy. They created a new stat. For Virgil van yeah, Dijk. for Virgil van Dijk because that's how good he is, and so I don't think you know he, he could be out. You know he shouldn't be out of contention, and and we talked about Allison before, like nearly get, you know, but only the start of February, and he's already in contention for winning the Golden Gloves when actually he was out for so many games, like he's only letting something like like fifth. 15 goals or something like he's come back from injury 
And like he's in, you know, he's absolutely like smashing it still. And I think during January, you know, he was so crucial to us, so crucial to us when yeah. when we were starting to flag a bit. So I don't think he could be out of contention either. And you know, for me, um, Manny so far has been, you know, out of this world. Um, however. I do appreciate what people are saying about Jordan Henderson and it is nice for him mm. to be getting some recognition now because he is massively underrated. And as Liverpool fans, we know that. And he gets it, he gets a tough rap from Liverpool fans sometimes as well. Mm. Um, and then whether, you know, player of the year, is it about more than just technical ability? Because he does have ability, he has fantastic ability. But on top of that, you know, is he going to lead Liverpool to their first title in 30 years as a captain? Is that playing a part to it? Like, yeah. not like his ability as a captain as well as his ability as a player. Like, is that forming part yeah. of the conversation as well? So I suppose it depends, sorry for the terrible pun, where the goalposts are um, for winning, <laughs> you know, winning this this award because... If we're incorporating the whole player, as it were, then yeah, like you say, I think he should be part of the conversation. But as Randy said equally, I wouldn't even say he's Liverpool's best player. But, you know, it's, I'm literally like, I'm back and forth over it, to be honest. I don't have an answer, really. Well, no, then this is what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting one because there are people going, oh, there should be no debate about it at all. I'm thinking, well, no, there should be at least be a debate about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't, uh, you know, so, so let's take him out of the equation then, just, just for, just for shits and giggles. So if you couldn't vote for a Liverpool player for player of the year, who would your vote go to? Randy. Let's put you on the spot first. Yeah, that was very uh, on the spot. Uh, <laughs> and, and suddenly, I don't remember any players in the Premier League except for my players. And, uh, <laughs> it's all right yeah. to have that level of tunnel vision. <laughs> but the thing is, I've always, I mean, I've, I've watched the other games, of course, and, and I also watched the other players. And, and last year, for instance, I, I, I'm a big admirer of... Uh, uh, yeah, I'll never forget old what's his name. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? You know, the, the midfield city that I really want to have on our Kevin team. Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne, he's a Liverpool fan. Get him over. And he looks so frustrated these days. But but because the team is not doing very well and they're a bit all over the place, the only one I remember from that team is mm. De Bruyne and um, Aguero because he's scoring left, right, and centre. He's doing a good job, even though the rest of the team is not so. You could argue for him as well, I guess. But yeah, uh, I think it's an interesting quirk that Aguero has never won PFA Player of the Year. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's won loads of the Golden Boots, I guess. Oh yeah, he's won Golden yeah. Boots. He's obviously won top titles and whatever. But he's for whatever reason he's never won PFA Player of the Year. Um, I don't think De Bruyne is a bad is a bad shout. If if I was gonna, you know, the be, be slightly slightly romantic. Uh, for a moment, uh, in in the loosest possible term, um, in terms of 
you know, the, the terrible sort of run that he had and, and where he is now and banging in goals. Do you know what? I would, I'd like to see Danny Ings on the list. Yeah, actually. But, but, you know, on pure, on pure skill and whatever, I, I wouldn't have an issue about it potentially going to, to De Bruyne if it wasn't going to go to a Liverpool player. Right, Molly, you've had loads of time to think about this now. So if you if you if you can't if you can't nominate a Liverpool player, who who are you going to throw in the mix? I am going to be really boring and also say De Bruyne because I think when I think I I don't necessarily think about it as who is the, the best. I think who do I want? And out of all of the players in the league, I would I. I would love to see De Bruyne at Liverpool. I think that would be incredible. And so I'll go with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think the... Uh, who, who's the who's, I want to get his name right. Um, the guy at Wolves, who I think is really good. Um Mitt. Uh, up, up, up front, yeah. Is it Jimenez or Jimenez? Yeah. Uh, I don't know quite how you, which which way you pronounce it. He's but good. I think he's talented. I think he's very talented. Um, and actually, I, I think Wolves are a really good side. They've got some, they've got some good talented players there. Be interested to see whether we could harness Traore anymore because the amount of speed that man's got to burn. Um, anyway, yeah, but yeah, you know, De Bruyne can come over. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he'll do. <laughs> he'll do. He'll do. He'll be all right. So, uh, we mentioned earlier that, you know, there is this talk about potentially expanding the Champions League, but before any of that happens, the Champions League itself will return, um, after we come back from our winter break and we're off to play Atletico Madrid. So, uh, Molly, what are you thinking about this uh, this tie uh, and the fact that we've been drawn against Atletico? Yeah, so Atletico, I think it's quite exciting. Obviously, it's going to pose quite a challenge. Um, however, I don't think they've had the best... They've not had quite the January we've had. Um, I think they've definitely lost a couple. Um and obviously they've got some some interesting players there. Um Costa being probably the most interesting. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I don't you know, the I just I am probably in a mindset that we can beat absolutely anybody that comes in front of us. Um and obviously, you know, with keeping so many clean sheets in January, you know, even kind of their their attack, which is pretty, you know, pretty intense on paper, I think that we've yeah. got what it takes to get through, especially the two legs. I I think I think the fact that we've got the second leg at home is is incredibly important. It's huge in it, especially in the Champions League. That is that plays a massive, massive part. Uh, I mean, when I when I look at their um, when I look at their most recent results, um, so they 
you know, it's a bit up and down, I suppose, is what I would say is uh, the final of the uh, Super Cup. They obviously they got hammered by Real Madrid. Um, they lost to Ibar, who I think are in the lower reaches of La Liga. It's sort of mid-January. They then lost in the second round of round of 32 of the Copa del Rey to somebody called Cultural Leonessa. To be fair, I've never heard of them. Um, they then drew nil-nil with Lejean, is it, or Leganes? I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce that, so apologies to anybody who's listening to this and his ears are wincing. Um, they then lost to Real Madrid uh, this last weekend, uh, but managed to beat Granada yesterday. So, so they've had a bit, bit of a mixed bag of results. Um, and they play Valencia on the Friday night before they play us on the Tuesday in Valencia. Um, yeah, but bearing in mind we play uh, we play Norwich on the late afternoon game on the Saturday before we play them and and travel to Madrid. So not that not that I'm I'm uh, I'm just sort of saying you know we've got we've got another 24 hours that we lose almost uh, in terms of preparation for that game. Um, whereas they you know they play on the Friday night and then have Saturday Sunday Monday um, before they play us. But the um, you know they they you know they have a they have a great squad they've got um like you say Diego Costa they obviously signed uh, Joao Felix from I'm going to say Benfica I've probably got that wrong they and they signed they signed him um and he's been doing pretty well for them um you know they've got Oblak the you know world class goalkeeper um uh, they've obviously got um uh, Raquel May, you know, the, uh, Kieran Trippier. <laughs> we forget about Kieran Trippier. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, I I think it's a I think it's a well I think it's a well balanced tie. I suppose is what I would what I would say. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm actually going. Um, I've, I've managed to get a ticket, um, so I'm going. So I will. I will be able to actually get inside the Wanda Metropolitano because obviously in Madrid for the Champions League final, I didn't have a ticket. So I just sat outside and watched it in a bar. So that will be quite a nice okay. experience for me. Um, I, I'm hoping that, uh, and I guess to, to you, Randy, um, we're hoping, aren't we, that Manet's back and fit for that? Oh, that would be absolutely lovely if he was. And also a factor I think that will be important um, going forward now is that Fabinho should be back in uh, losing his uh, rustiness that he has lately because I think that really makes us stronger uh, defensively. And uh, if money is back, that's going to be very, very good for us. But remember, I mean, they're at sixth place in Spain. And yeah. Murata... Uh, Joe Felix, Trippier, all injured. So it's only cost Oh, really? I yeah, didn't yeah, realise they were all injured at the moment. They're operated, you see, so they, they can't play. So all those two can't play, and Costa is just back. So hopefully he's not really up to speed. He's getting old anyway, so he's going to get a red card. So <laughs> I think this is looking good, you know. And as you mentioned, 
they got a brilliant keeper. But because the defence has been bad lately, they're starting to let in goals. So mm. uh, for me, this I'm really, really looking forward to this. And uh, you lucky girl being there. Uh, but I think who is going to be our home match, obviously, uh, what's going to happen there. And if Fabinho is back, Mane is back. Mm. Well, Fabinho is definitely back. Yeah. And and I think you saw in the second half of the, the game against Southampton um, mm. that you could see you could see the Fabinho we, we, we were loving before he got injured um, last year. So I think I think that's a given. Um, the, the it, so I, there seems to be an expectation that Manet will be back in time for the Norwich game, although there's been literally no news about him. You know, normally they'll sort of say, oh, we expect him to be in a few weeks or, or we don't have a return date. And I don't think they've said anything about him. But um, I think that's... Um, so, so yeah, fingers crossed he's back. I generally didn't realise all of those players were, were injured. I suppose my only worry... Is you know Simeone is a master of um, his his team uh, play you know using the somewhat of the dark arts I suppose I would mm. say in yeah. terms of you know throwing themselves on the floor and trying to get people sent off and trying to get people booked and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I just want to make sure that we're we're street smart enough. I you know I I believe that we should be and certainly. You know, Andy Robertson, he needs to manage manage his level of schneid, I would say. <laughs> um, you know, because because sometimes I think he's he gets a little close to the edge. Um and I love it, but but he could easily get himself booked in Europe for some of that. That would be my only only slight area of concern. But yeah, I am I'm really looking forward to it and, and uh there's also some other, you know, interesting ties. Obviously, um, Man City have got Real Madrid. Uh, Spurs have got Leipzig. I think, is it Chelsea have got Juve? Have I got that right? Um, so, yeah, so really interesting um, games, I think, going on. Uh, so, so, fingers crossed, all of the other English teams go out and we sell through. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> That'd be the best round of 16 ever. Who uh, has Tottenham got? Hmm? Who has Tottenham got? Who I they? think they've got RB Leipzig, haven't they? Oh, yeah. They're not easy to play. No. No, they're not. No, they're not. So, um, so we have, we, we sort of talked about it at the top of the pod and, um, we need to kind of come back to it now as we're, we're drawing to a close. But um, we are genuinely in sight of potentially winning this title. Um, they were saying, you know, it's all about, let's talk about six, baby. Um, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, we need to win our next six games. However, the Man City-West Ham game was uh, postponed because of Storm Chiara. Um, so... I don't know if that means it's seven or, or whatever it might be. Um, if you if you had a choice and if if we we're going to win it, let me start this one with you, Molly. Uh, where where do you want to win it? Um, couldn't give a fuck <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> don't care. Like I can't even put my finger on it. 
I just don't care. I just want to win. Um, I'm that desperate. Like it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm really desperate. I anywhere, everywhere, whatever. Just, just want to do it. Uh, Randy, <laughs> you want to win oh, it? Well, Do you have a different oh. answer? <laughs> I, first of all, I quite agree with you, Molly. I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. Win it. But secondly, um, at home would be nice. And of course, if it happens, uh, the game against Chelsea would be the big one. But it would be, if, if you can't be at home, I'd rather be at City's. That would be interesting. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would seem to be interesting um, I mean I, I have to say I, I'm completely on the same page Molly I don't give a shiny shite right all I care about is us getting enough points to be over the line that is mathematically impossible I don't care about being invincible it would be a lovely add on if it happens all I care about is having enough points to say we are Premier League champions and I want it done as soon as humanly possible. So no offence, Randy, I don't want it to be Chelsea because if it's Chelsea, it means, we, you know, we've dropped more points and what have you. I just... I didn't think of that. I just thought, you know, that's the only place, only time we can uh, have the trophy there because it should be done ages before that. Yeah, it 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 should be. You're right. That that's when that's potentially when we will get the get the trophy. Um, but in terms of it being formally confirmed, I just I yeah, I just need us to get over the line. Um, where wherever that is, um, and and as soon as possible. So you know, I almost after we'd beaten Southampton and then. City lost to Spurs. I was just like, why have we got a fucking winter break? I want us yeah. to play another game now. I just want us to get them over and done with. Um, so yeah, so this is, this is a torturous couple of weeks, to be honest, with no bloody football. Um, and just knowing that we, we could, we could, by the time we finish the next game, we could be 25 points clear. Um, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, you know, I'm with you. I don't care. Let's just, let's just get over the line. I've got, you know, Arsenal fans saying to me, you know, I'm delighted if you win the title. Don't really give a monkey. Just lose the game. Right. And I've got other, other, yeah. other people, you know, to be fair, lots of fans of other clubs, you know, we talk to the game. You know, you should win the title. You deserve to win the title. The title is done. It's yours. You've been the best team this season, all the rest of it, which is great, but we haven't won anything yet. So whilst they're all happy and convinced and all the rest of it, I'm still going, I'm not saying the words. I'm not singing the song. I, I, I believe, I do believe, but I'm not saying it yet. And I remember, I think I said on the last pod, if we get to the end of January, and we're unbeaten, then we can have a conversation. I'm happy to have the conversation because I, I do believe this is our time, but I want it mathematically confirmed. Yeah. That's all. That's, that's all I want. 
But the, the thing that really struck me, because we, we started off with, Brandon, you talking about that Man U game and the, and the goal that Salah scored, in, you know, the breakaway goal mm. in injury time. And the thing was, I didn't realise, right? So I was, in, I was at the game, right? We went bonkers, as you would imagine. We're hugging yeah. people, like throwing all sides. I had no idea Alison had run the length of the pitch, right? I wasn't even looking at the pitch. I was just, you know, I was like, being, you know, when people were bundling and all that stuff around me. So, so it was only, I was, I was thinking, what do you, what's Alison doing up there? Um, and then it was like an explosion. It was like a, uh, I don't know, champagne bottle had exploded or something. It felt like this whole thing, that was when for the first time in the whole season, people started singing and now you're going to believe us, we're going to win yeah. the league. And that was, it was incredible. It was so spontaneous. Um, and there were people singing it all around me, but I just stood there. I was smiling. I was laughing. <laughs> I was, I was not singing. And I, 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 yeah, the scars run deep. So, you know, if we get to, you know, 25 points clear and, uh, and all of that, the next game I go to, next league game, mm-hmm. which will be Bournemouth at home, uh, because I can't go to work because of work and various other things. If we win that game and we've and we've won the ones in between, I think I'll sing it at that game. Yeah, if we get there, we're just collecting points on the way. Yes, we should sing. But I really understand <laughs> because I mean we are scarred, aren't we? I mean we can't. We are. Uh, take anything in advance. I mean, just make sure <laughs> before. That. Exactly. Just, just, just. You know, to your to your point at the beginning, <laughs> Molly, just win, baby. Just do yeah. win. Jack, you need Jack's to. been getting just... in a lot of trouble because I think he's trying to jinx us. Because really? he keeps saying, you've, you've won it, you've won it, you've won it. And I'm like, shut up, shut up. Shut ah. up, no, we haven't. Stop jinxing it. Um, so I think he's making a conscious jinxing effort now um, just to annoy me. But... On the on the other side, um, obviously my dad is quite a bit older than me, um, yeah. and he keeps saying to me, "This is what it used to feel like. This is oh. what it used to feel like. <laughs> I haven't felt this in thirty years, but we used to just run away with it, and this is what I feel like. And no one gave a shit by February because we knew we had it. And this is what I, this is what I'm like, Dad, shut up, shut up, because <laughs> it." Like, I've not, I mean, I was, I think, I must have been one, must have been 18 months last time we won the yeah. league. Um, so <clears throat> I've no idea what it used to feel like. It was what we were expected to do when we did it. Um, and like I said, you know, I watched us win the leagues on the TV for, many, for a number of years. This will be the first time, if we do it, that I will, be, you know, I will physically be part of it and that's the you know that's the bit I'm, I'm really excited about because I've seen us win everything else I've been there for Champions League for UEFA Cups for Super Cups for League Cups for FA Cups I've never seen us win the league in person and that's that's my that's my one thing that's missing on the, on the old CV um, so we come to any other business uh, as we wrap this one up um, Anything uh, you want to uh, plug or say or get off your chest? Randy, let's start with you. 
but I had prepared for any other business the um, the Hendra Solar Babies and how that would have wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, sort of, that shows us because all the stats are around that, you know, 100 of 102 possible points. First team to have 108 points in 38 games ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clock reading the fifth, five of the six uh, yeah, so I mean, all these things is is most almost uh, wrapped up in, and then of course two babies came out of it as well. I mean, how lovely! Couldn't be better. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a very nice any other business. Uh, thank you, Randy, Molly. Um, I am quite excited about going back to Liverpool and going to see the new Bob Paisley stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it, but I think it I have. from and my dad kind of from when he worked at the club, he kind of like had quite a few interactions with Bob Paisley, like kind of knew Bob Paisley. Um and is he is my dad's absolute favourite manager and from everything that he's ever told me about Bob Paisley, the statue just epitomizes him. Um and and his time at Liverpool and the kind of what he put into Liverpool and I just think it's such a perfect statue. It's not him lifting a trophy. Um, it's not him no, in kind of glory. It's him carrying yeah. Emlyn Hughes, I think it is, yeah. off the Emily pitch. Hughes. And I just think that just epitomises him from what my dad's told me about the manager. But also it's such, I think it's such a great message for especially being the manager that we've got and at the minute as well, you know, the old club hug and the, yeah. the his interactions with the players and him kind of being a fatherly figure to the players. I just thought it was such a, a kind of beautiful, beautiful kind of image to, to kind of permanently represent at the club for, you know, such yeah. an you know, such for an our icon. most successful manager ever. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. And I will look forward to seeing it actually the next time I, I go to the ground. So, so that's a lovely, that's a lovely shout out, Molly. Um, so, so mine isn't, uh, I only had a tiny bit of, uh, any other business and we've, we've kind of covered it as well. So I will keep this very brief. Um, but I'm just, I'm digging up the, the young baby reds. Um, I think it's a fantastic experience for them to, to play in front of a sellout crowd at Anfield to go through, but to make, their own memories and start their own uh, building their their own um, destiny, if you like, in terms of their opportunities. Not all of them will make it. We know that, but actually, we I think the future is looking very bright for Liverpool Football Club in terms of what's being built through the different academy levels. Neil Critchley, Alex Inglethorpe. Um, you know, and and the sort of the links between the first team and the you know and the, and the young kids coming through, and I thought they did themselves proud, and I think um, we can be justifiably um, happy about what Klopp and his staff have put in place for the future of Liverpool Football Club. Um, sadly, one day Klopp will go, and I don't even want to contemplate when that is. But I think the legacy he leave, he will leave behind will be immense so so that's my any other business um so just remains for me to say thank you very much for joining me for this latest pod 
Um, I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to it. We will be back to talk to you again in a few weeks. In the meanwhile, enjoy these record-breaking, table-topping, never-going-to-lose breads. <laughs> and hopefully the next time we talk to you will be even closer to that number 19. Thanks for listening. Life goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So fairy, cross the mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Social Podcast Network.